All right, uh, you crazy extroverts, bring you back together. The Lord be with you. My name's Troy, happy to be here today, one of our pastors. Uh, Before I jump into the sermon, I want to give you two additional updates. First, uh, our monthly financial update. We are committed to transparently and regularly giving our community a glimpse of where we're at. Um, I'm happy once again for two months in a row to share good news. We started a new fiscal year on July the 1st, and as you can see here, as of this past week, Thursday of this past week, our community has really generously given, including to the surplus of $34 in August, right? I know. So contributions, they're over what we budgeted, which is great, giving us a real good start to this ministry year. And then halfway through this month of August, we're already 11.5% above our giving forecast for the year. So thank you. Thanks for being sacrificial and faithful with your giving. Thanks for helping us to be able to live into our mission and our vision. Thank you. Um, And I've said this before, if you're not currently participating in this great adventure, um, come along. We'd love to have you join us. Um, We'll always take a few more of those givers. Second update, um, Ashley and I want to invite you to something new. Um, We want to invite you to something that we're calling a quarterly connect. So every year in June, we have what we call an annual meeting, which is when the time when our covenant members come together, it's our business meeting. We have to approve some things. We give some updates on vision, updates on finances, updates on governance. And every single year when we come to that meeting, we have this sense there are a couple of other things we would love to do and love to talk about, but it just didn't feel like we can cram everything into one meeting when everybody's in the room together. So we're going to consider trying something over this next calendar, uh, this ministry year, Um, and we want to get together more regularly. So on every quarter, uh, we want to host an opportunity for us to be together, for anyone who wants to come and to get a little bit of a glimpse of some vision, a little bit of a glimpse of what are we dreaming about right now? What are we passionate about? Can we take some time together to really intentionally pray for our church? And some of these other kinds of things that don't seem to find a place on Sundays during gatherings, and they they, they feel hard to just kind of shoehorn into a business meeting. So um, starting on Wednesday, the 21st of September, we're going to host our first of these quarterly connects. Now, Um, We're going to do them every three months. So if you can't make September, don't worry. We'll have another in December. But mark your calendars now. Come join us. Be a part of this brief conversation. And and we hope that it provides a little bit of an opportunity for more regular updates about what's happening around here. Make sense? Great. I heard, I think, four of you say yes. So I'm going to take that as representative. Mark your calendars for now. We'll give you some details as we get closer. All right, let's turn our attention to today's teaching text. Lori, thank you so much for reading for us. Um, So let's engage this text as we turn our hearts and attention there. Today's reading is from Psalm 42, verses 1 through 5, on page 521 of the illustrious Shed Bible. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of the Lord. So we're getting close to wrapping up this summer series that's been focused on the Psalms, this series that we've been calling Mixtape. There are three of these left, including today. Um, I'll teach today. Kyle Lake will teach next week. I'll teach the final of those weeks, and we're going to wrap this thing up. Um, But today, we're going to focus on Psalm 42. Way back in May, we asked our community to vote for some of the psalms you would like us to cover. This is one of these that got multiple votes, so we're going to dive into it today. It's one of these psalms that's probably familiar to many, though I'm guessing what is familiar to you in Psalm 42 stops at verse 1. That's not a slam. I'm just guessing that's probably where our familiarity ends. As the deer pants after the water, so my soul longs after you, God. Um, We're going to get deeper than that. Uh, So this psalm, it begins the second book of the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is broken down into sort of five chunks. This starts the second of those chunks. And this second book, it has a, a pretty mellow spirit. A lot of the Psalms in this book of the book of Psalms, um, they focus on Israel's being ruined. It focuses a lot on people being in exile, people being really far away from home. If you have a disposition that's like Eeyore, you probably really like these Psalms. They're, They're mellow, they're kind of Oh, why bother? They have this kind of spirit about them. Um, and Psalm 42, which kicks off the book of this, this second book, it has a lot of that spirit. It, it, it's considered one of the lament psalms. These psalms that's really dominated by that contains a lot of the same hallmarks of lament. But I'm going to give you a hot take. You want a religious hot take? I don't think this is a lament psalm. I certainly don't read it as a lament. I read this psalm really differently. Um, I think couched inside of this psalm, which on the surface looks like just a lament over and over, I think we get in Psalm 42 a really vivid picture of spiritual hunger. I think this is a psalm of spiritual hunger. Now, I'm going to spend a few minutes describing what spiritual hunger looks like. And then a few minutes describing how spiritual hunger is sustained. Um, And how Psalm 42, I I think, pokes around and gives us some pictures of that. And hopefully what we'll see is how this psalm is more than just a complaint. That this psalm gives us vision for what spiritual hunger might look like and then how it could be sustained. First, I want to I wanna, uh, highlight a couple of things. Um, there's a truth about this psalm and about spiritual hunger that I want to make sure is emphasized. Alongside of the expressions that we're going to see of spiritual hunger in Psalm 42, there really are questions and there are doubts and there are moments of lament. They're together. 
that spiritual hunger and lament and doubt and questions coexist in this psalm. That's an important starting place for us. They're side by side. I think I would imagine that some of us, dare I say many of us, have been taught to understand lament and question and doubt to be something that is separate or contrary to spiritual hunger or spiritual desire. And I hope that from the very beginning, some of you will be encouraged Some of you will be encouraged to see these are coexisting. That some of you need not feel guilty. No, none of you need to feel guilty (laughs) about having questions and doubts and laments right alongside of your spiritual hunger. I hope you feel free from having to make a false choice. A choice between faith and hunger and spiritual desire and your questions or your doubts or your laments. You don't have to pick a side. They coexist in this psalm. I hope that is encouraging for you. This psalm is a testimony of these things existing together. So today, the guiding invitation for you today is to investigate. Investigate your own spiritual hunger. What is your spiritual hunger like today? What's your spiritual hunger like in this season? What does that mean for you? Um, what, What does that conjure up? How strong or how not strong is your own spiritual hunger? What is it like for you? And then uh, as best as you can, investigate without judgment. Without judgment. I have no desire to heap any kind of heavy burden on anyone today when we talk about this. Instead, I want to invite you to be curious. Be curious about yourself. Be curious with yourself. Pay attention to what the Holy Spirit might be saying. What lights might be be shining for you? How might God be drawing you deeper? How might God be inviting you into something new? Okay, Psalm 42. How does this psalm show us what spiritual hunger is like? I'm going to focus on four things primarily. And I want to recognize, though, that spiritual hunger very likely will present itself in additional ways. That more than just the four things that I'm going to highlight, spiritual hunger probably will look like more than this. But what I'm trying to emphasize is I don't think spiritual hunger is ever less than these four things. Spiritual hunger is never less than these four things. And along with that, notice that when we're talking about spiritual hunger here, that it's not generic. That there are specific desires associated with this hunger. One ought to be able to name the hunger and the thirst that we have. We ought to be able to express the aim of our desire. What is it that we're after? What is it that we're chasing down? We ought, and I think we're going to see the psalmist do the same thing here. So, first, here is how, what spiritual hunger looks like in Psalm 42. First, it's a hunger for the living God. And we find this in that opening verse, those verses that many of us love. And if you're old enough, the verses that you hum around a campfire. Just like a deer 
knows that it is thirsty and that only water can satisfy its thirst. So the psalmist knows that spiritual hunger will only be satisfied by the living God. This is a hunger that is aimed, a hunger that is directed very specifically. This is not a desire for some kind of murky spirituality. This is not, this is not a desire for the universe. This is not a desire for some kind of generic life force. This is a very specifically aimed desire. This is a desire for the God who is graciously made known to us in the scriptures. A desire for the God who is glimpsed in creation. For the God who has been affirmed and who has been worshipped for generations by this great cloud of witnesses. This God who is sublimely made known to the world. This world that God so dearly loves has made sublimely known to the world through the life of Jesus. And Jesus' life and death and resurrection and ascension. Jesus whose life and death and resurrection and ascension continues to captivate and continues to feed hungry and thirsty people. Very specific desire. Hunger for the living God is the first and fundamental way that we identify spiritual hunger. Second, spiritual hunger looks like being hungry for the community. Notice in verse 4, the psalmist is remembering. He says this, How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Pronounce that very correctly. And for the writer here, worship with the community, it used to look a certain kind of way. But it's not like that anymore. Three years ago, this kind of sentiment would have been hard for most of us to connect with. But COVID screwed it all up. It changed everything. People all around the world began to experience the reality of not being with the festive throng. And thank God for technology that gave us access to and the ability to be connected with worship, but it didn't take very long for us to realize that it's not the same thing. And that we began to experience, it used to be like this, but now it's something else. For some of us, when we, th- we think about the spirit of this remembering and this hunger for community, it might be a source of mourning because you recognize and you realize yet again that there are some people that you used to worship with that are no longer here. Some, some people have died. S- 
Some people have left our particular church and they've chosen to go to somewhere else. Some people have just simply walked away from the faith entirely and others have drifted from attending um, in favor of beaches or for podcasts or for Eggs Benedict. And we mourn that we used to go with these people and now it's something different. Some of you might remember those people and you'll notice this hunger for community welling up inside of you. I don't want us to miss the significance of this point of focus. Spiritual hunger is directed toward community. It's directed toward other people who you join in the worship of God with. Other people who you seek to be a faithful witness in the world with. More on that in a couple minutes. Third, spiritual hunger looks like being hungry for attention. Here's what I mean by that. It means being hungry to pay attention. It's hunger for awareness. It's a hunger to see and to encounter God in unexpected people, in unexpected places. In verse 6, the psalmist, uh, he says this, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Now this is not some kind of willful statement. I will remember. The sentiment here is much more of a, of a statement of intention. I, I long to remember. I will remember. It, it's, it's, it, it, uh, it's this desire to have open eyes. It's a desire to have a sensitive spirit. It's a desire to recognize, um, Gerard Manley Hopkins says, it's a desire to recognize the God who plays in 10,000 places. It reminds me of the spirit that we find in Genesis uh, 28. Jacob wakes up from this really vivid dream. And Jacob says these great words, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Spiritual hunger looks like this. It looks like being on the lookout. It looks like being open to God in surprising you. It looks like cultivating practices. It looks like maybe returning to particular places of previous encounter. It's wanting to wake up and wanting to see what you didn't see before. Finally, related to that, spiritual hunger looks like a hunger for God's faithful presence. Verse 8, a beautiful verse. By day, the Lord directs his love, and at night, his song is with me. There's this poetic echo here of day and night, and it's trying to communicate um, consistency, reliability. For the psalmist, God isn't encountered simply between the hours of 10 and 11.20 a.m. on Sundays. For the psalmist, the psalmist has confidence in the God of his life. Day and night, a consistency, a reliability. 
The psalmist is confident in this faithful one who directs and who sings over him all the time. Okay, that's admittedly a really brief glimpse of spiritual hunger in Psalm 42. I want to turn our attention to what spiritual hunger is sustained by. And I want to begin by stressing this, that spiritual hunger is not addressed by doing nothing. Just like your normal hunger. It doesn't just go away. You don't address it by doing nothing. You don't address your thirst by not drinking. In the same way that spiritual hunger is directed in particular specific ways, so spiritual hunger is sustained in specific ways by particular and specific actions and behaviors. Now, this is not going to be an exhaustive list either, but I want to tell you this, that personally, this little batch has for me sustained my spiritual hunger. And at times when I have needed my spiritual hunger to be stoked and brought back to life, these have been a couple of pathways that have faithfully and reliably done that for me. So first, spiritual hunger is sustained by seeking. Don't stop looking. <laughs> Follow your thirst, Kyle Lake said a few weeks ago. Follow the cheese, right? Follow, pursue, don't stop seeking. The psalmist asks, where can I go and meet with God? It has this active sense to it. I must do something to satisfy and to sustain this spiritual hunger. Uh, during our teaching team meeting this past week, Tim Nelson um, he, he dropped this little bit of knowledge on us about deer. I know nothing about the animal world. I particularly know nothing about deer. So Tim dropped this little bit of knowledge on us. And I think this is really fascinating. Um, deer have really discerning noses. So in a typical human being, um, we would each have around 5 million olfactory receptors in our nose. Oh, I'm guessing that's where it is. I don't actually know where olfactory receptors are. But we have about 5 million of them, all right? This is how we pick up on smells. Deer, on the other hand, they have 297 million olfactory receptors. 292 million more than we have. Very discerning noses. And I find that really interesting when I imagine this scene at the start of Psalm 42. This deer, head down, panting, sniffing out a source that will satisfy its thirst. Focused and concentrated. And then I'm struck by this because it emphasizes that the deer won't drink just anything. And for deer, their seeking is very specific. They're intentional. They know that not everything will do the trick. So friends, don't ever stop seeking. Be discerning for sure. Not everything will satisfy. 
But keep pursuing and allow your thirst, because I honestly believe this, allow your thirst to ultimately lead you to living water. Keep seeking. Second, gather. Two weeks ago, Ashley taught on Psalm 84. That's a great companion and expansion of what I'm going to say here. I don't need to belabor it. That is a much better teaching than what I'm going to give. But I do want to say this as it relates to gathering. Your spiritual hunger needs other people to sustain it. There's that great verse in Hebrews 10 where it says, it encourages us to not to give up meeting together. Do you know why it says that there? The context is perseverance. Don't give up meeting together so that you will persevere. Don't give up meeting together so that you will be sustained. So that you will make it. That's the context. Don't give up gathering. It sustains you. Do not, friends, don't be voluntarily isolated. And if you won't take my encouragement, I'm going to give you two quotations from two modern-day prophets. The first is from the boss, Bruce Springsteen. In his autobiography, Born to Run, he writes this. You can sing about your misery and about the world's misery and your most devastating experiences. But there is something in the gathering of souls that blows the blues away. Something that lets some sun in, that keeps you breathing, that lifts you in a way that can't be explained, only experienced. Now, I'm sure he's not talking particularly and specifically about a Christian worship gathering but he's still right. That there is something in the gathering of souls that buoys and sustains that cannot be explained, but only experienced. And then one more quotation from Mars Hill's The Boss, Denise Kingdom Greer. In a Facebook post this past week, Denise wrote this. All right, folks, it's time for ushers to get back on their door. Singers to return to the mic. Praise dancers to take up their wands. Mimers to put on their gloves. Learners to make their way back to Sunday school and Bible study. We've been watching the show on the screen as observers long enough. We've been called to be participants in the grand story of the church. See you at Sunday service somewhere. Man, do I wish I would have written that. (laughs) Your spiritual hunger is sustained in gathering. Third, your spiritual hunger is sustained by speaking to yourself. There are these two refrains or two choruses that happen in Psalm 42. And then it repeats in Psalm 43. Verse 5 and verse 11, they're exactly the same. They read this. Um, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? 
put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I think this refrain is amazing. We're going to sing a version of it in a couple of minutes. Among so many other things about this refrain, I think it gives us a picture of speaking to yourself. This is a a concept or an imagery that I'm borrowing from a a pastor and author, Scott Sauls, in his new book. He he encourages speaking to yourself. Um, Many of us, many of us do a really good job of listening to ourselves. We're in a therapeutic age which highlights and encourages and sort of elevates listening to your own self. I don't ultimately have a problem with that as an impulse. I don't have a problem with that as a recommendation. I have a problem when it stops with just listening to your own self. I think in particular for people of Christian faith, there are times, most times, when we need not stop at listening to ourselves, but speaking to ourselves what we know is true. Don't stop at just listening to yourself. You need to speak to yourself what you know is true. The psalmist here in this refrain interrogates his own experience. Says, I, I names what is true. I'm downcast. I'm disturbed. I'm disquieted. And then speaks to his own self deeper truth. Deeper truth about who God is. Deeper truth about where hope ultimately resides. Each one of us, undoubtedly, each one of us is going to experience seasons and times of spiritual dryness. Times when you are disturbed and downcast and apathetic and a whole manner of other things that will undoubtedly be true for all of us multiple times. But your spiritual hunger in those moments, one of the ways it will be sustained is by your own speaking truth to yourself, by your own expressions of trust and confidence. There are going to be times you will need to speak to yourself that you can trust God's love right now. You will have to speak to yourself that you can trust that God's plan for the future is sure. You will need to speak to yourself that even in the night, God sings songs over you. That by day, God directs you with his love. You will need to speak to yourself and sustain your spiritual hunger. Maybe commit verse 5, verse 11 to memory and begin practicing that, speaking it to yourself. Why are you so downcast? Why are you disturbed? Put your hope in God. Praise him. He is your savior, your help, and your God. Finally, your spiritual hunger is sustained as you praise anyway. Your spiritual hunger is sustained as you praise God even when. Your spiritual hunger will be sustained as you praise God even though. In verse 9, Another verse I think is really powerful here. I love this particular verse. The psalmist says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? This is a picture of praising anyway. 
It's a fabulous verse that reminds us that praise, like I said at the very beginning, praise and questions can coexist. The psalmist here names a truth about God, and that is essentially what worship is. That's the heart of worship, naming what is true about God. The psalmist says, God is my rock. And also questions, why are things the way that they are? The psalmist praises anyway. Friends, don't give up naming what you know is true about God alongside all that seems confusing and uncertain. Don't give up on that. Your spiritual hunger is sustained as you praise anyway. Seek, gather, speak to yourself, praise anyway. Four ways that spiritual hunger is sustained. Let me end here. A final encouragement. And I want to encourage you, especially if you're listening and you sense that your spiritual hunger right now is really low. Or maybe your spiritual hunger is non-existent. Or maybe you suspect that a day is going to come when your spiritual hunger will be low or non-existent. That should be every one of you, by the way. This encouragement, uh, there's a quote that's on my whiteboard up in my office, and I read it multiple times a day, and I pray through it during the week. Uh, it, the quote is this, I cannot return by my own strength unless you come to meet me in my wandering. Unless you come to meet me in my wandering... If you sense right now that you cannot feed yourself, if you sense right now that you cannot lead yourself, if you sense right now that you cannot on your own muster up the spiritual hunger, I think you're in a really good place. I think that's a really good starting place. Because I have great confidence. I have great confidence that God will meet you, that God will meet us in our wandering, in our hungering, in our lingering. Better yet, I have great confidence that God has already met us in our wandering. God has already met us in our hungering, in our thirsting. God has met us in the person of Jesus who entered our wandering, who entered our hungering, who entered our thirsting. The Swiss, uh, Swiss theologian von Balthasar, he once wrote this, God's immense richness, God's immense richness is concentrated and focused at this one spot in the humanity of Jesus Christ. In Jesus, God's immense richness lives In Jesus, God is able to completely satisfy. Philippians would say, God is able to completely supply all of your needs in Christ Jesus. So today, bring your hunger and your thirst to this table. 
Today, bring your hunger and your thirst to the prayers that we would be honored to pray over you and to pray for you and with you. Today, bring your hunger and your thirst to the songs that we're going to sing as we praise anyway. Today, bring your hunger and thirst, believing that in Jesus, God will meet them and satisfy them. Friends and family, put your hope in God and yet give thanks to him. Amen.